Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. You know, here in the province of Ontario, uh, we've seen where the Ford government considering allowing cannabis lounges and even uh, opening up for festivals and other such uh, an open market for pot. Uh, These consumption venues, I guess, what they're called. And the Ford government uh, notified people on Monday, I guess, on their website that they want uh, to get feedback from people. And so participatory democracy, I guess it's called. Is that a good idea? Because when the first tranche of dispensaries was being vetted, or at least they uh, went into this lottery system, a lot of communities around the 905, especially outside of the 416, decided to take a pass. Mississauga, the biggest. Then you had Markham. You had Oakville, uh, Vaughan, Pickering, Whitby. 2.8 million people uh, can't, in this area that's cited, can't get legal uh, pot because they don't have access unless they drive into Toronto or a neighboring precinct that uh, allows for it. Let's find out about uh, this proposal from the government, though, to uh, set up these cannabis lounges as a first-order business. Joining us on the line, Jay Rosenthal, co-founder and president, Business of Cannabis. Jay, how are you doing this afternoon? I am well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I mean, that's a pretty significant, because I'm reading this in a Global News Dispatch, 2.8 million people live in places where selling cannabis is illegal and uh is it because these people were like slow to come to uh the table or just initial hesitancy might have some other reasons behind it how do you assess it i think there was a fear that the sky would fall when legal cannabis became available at the retail level sort of bricks and mortar and so you saw mississauga markham vaughn richmond hill oakville and a number of others opt out of retail in their community and now you see that retail is now on the ramp up. We only have 26, 27 stores in Ontario, uh, in Ontario overall. But we realize that not only does the sky not fall when people have access to legal cannabis, but these legal cannabis shops are really good drivers of retail traffic. So they could be great tenants in shopping centers. They could be great tenants in strip malls. They could be great for pedestrian traffic. So I think you see some of these communities looking at the sky not falling in downtown Toronto and saying, we want some of that here. So I think you'll see some of these communities revisit that decision to opt out uh, and now start opting in as retail ramps up in Ontario. Yeah, because again, the stipulation was if you opt out originally, you could always get in. Uh, But if you got in initially, you couldn't opt out. You couldn't reverse it. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people wanting to opt out because I think they realize that these are pretty good tenants. These shop owners are spending lots of money to redo the facade, to put in proper security in these places, and are driving lots of foot traffic. It turns out people have a pretty insatiable appetite for cannabis, and uh, and they're going to shop for it. And so the more we see people shopping for it, the more people want those people to shop in their communities. And I think we'll see more and more of that as time goes on. All right, uh, because I guess a lot of these communities were resistant to this initially. Uh, they thought it would have some kind of a detrimental or a corrosive effect on their community. Now they recognize, as you say, it may be good for business. The black market, has it done anything in any of the places where it's legally sourced uh, to deter the black market? Do you know? Well, I mean, there's just not enough stores in Ontario to actually make a measurable dent. I don't think, not yet. Right? We only have 26 stores. We're the largest province. We've done a pretty... 
uh, average to bad job of getting retail operations up and running on the legal side of a ledger, whereas Alberta's just done, done gangbusters. They have 400 stores licensed and they're a much smaller province. So we've been lagging behind there. And until or unless people have bricks and mortar access to, to regulated cannabis, we're not going to actually see a huge dip in the, uh, in the illicit market. That said, it's not as if people in these communities that have opted out are not using cannabis or buying it. They are either driving to go get it or using illicit ways to actually get it delivered to their door, which is not desirable either. So uh, opting out didn't do anything to cannabis use. It just made it more difficult for people to buy legal cannabis in Mississauga. That's all I did. How did it work with these communities that decided to opt out? Because uh, one of the reasons there was resistance, if I understand correctly, uh, they didn't have control over zoning where these stores may go. Yeah. That's true. And I think they're now realizing they don't need a lot of control because these, these uh, bricks and mortar retail shops want to be where people are. They want to be in shopping centers. They don't want to be necessarily smack dab in the middle of the neighborhood. But even if they were, we have seen other places, Colorado most noticeably, that when retail cannabis moves into a neighborhood, retail, uh, sorry, property values go up. So these are desirable shops for a neighborhood. They are steady shops. They are successful shops. They are integrated as part of the community. And I think as Ontarians, and, and more importantly to this conversation, sort of local council members see that this is a good rather than a bad. I think we'll see more of these folks try to get them into their communities where possibly they tried to keep them out before. Yeah, it's almost like we've seen this movie before with alcohol. Time was uh, you couldn't get a drink in certain places in Toronto, like Swansea, I think, was dry into the 80s. Yeah, and now you can get a beer in Swansea and nobody, <laughs> the sky's not falling. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Milton also uh, reversed back in October. They first opted out. Now they're in. And uh, I don't know if they're better served for it or not. I don't have any way to calibrate that. Again, on the line, Jay Rosenthal, co-founder and president, Business of Cannabis. And it is, uh, well, we talked about it yesterday very briefly. The business is sort of uh, going through a, a rocky patch now. Some of the bigger players and CEOs have had to walk the plank. The dude from Aurora, I guess, invested a lot of his own money into the startup. And I know he's got umpteen million shares, and so he's looked after rather nicely. No tag days for the guy. Uh, but a lot of them just didn't deliver on the initial promise or expectation, did they? Uh, I think that's part. That, that's one way to frame it, yes. I think the other is that investors really uh, valued them much more than it was probably uh, wise, right? There was this hysteria that this was going to be something fun to invest in, for sure. Like, oh, cannabis is going to be legal in Canada. We're going to invest in large cannabis companies in Canada. That was amazing, and there was a great run-up and, and now a precipitous fall, for sure. I think this is really the market correcting itself, where these companies, yes, are producing product, are getting it to stores, and it's selling. But when we legalize cannabis in Canada, we basically said it's legal federally, yet in Ontario and, and in some respects Quebec, there isn't really great access to cannabis to buy on the retail level. So we need to catch up. At the same time, there were actually only maybe half the products that people actually want to buy in stores up until very, very recently, right? The edibles, the vape pens, uh, the beverages weren't on shelves until really this year. And so we, we've had a very slow rollout of retail, which is in indicative of sort of a successful industry. And we've had a very slow rollout of new products, which only came online this year. So I think as we move into slowly into 2020, we will start to see a turnaround for some of these companies as people buy more products, as there's more access to retail, but it's been a very slow go and Ontario has uh, led the way in the wrong way. Well, Ontario is trying to be proactive in another way. I guess, you know, uh, since they've stopped this lottery uh, after yeah. two tranches, they're going to open, they say ideally, 20 stores a month starting in April. Uh, and when they get to a critical mass, I think the 
the target, believe it or not, is like a thousand ultimately. Uh, nonetheless, they're also uh, consulting with the public uh, on these so-called consumption venues or uh, cafes, lounges, what, and then special dispensation, occasional permits to festivals and things like that. Good idea. I think so. I mean, I I work in the industry, and I think so. Uh, but also, I don't think it's gonna. Uh, it's not going to be what people have in mind, like an Amsterdam cafe. They said they're not going to touch the Smoke Free Ontario Act, so these won't be smoking lounges, certainly not indoors. Maybe there's a way to work it when the weather is nice outdoors, attached to sort of other venues. Um, I think it would be amazing to see outdoor concert venues or outdoor festivals have areas where you can consume cannabis by smoking it. I also think it would be interesting to see what the public and the province come together on in terms of what a consumption lounge may look like if it's not smoking. Right? Is it a place where you can buy and consume edibles? Is it a place you can buy cannabis beverages? Um, I think we're going to see all those things. I think there's lots of different regulatory hurdles to get there, some of them provincial, like the Smoke Free Ontario Act, some of them federal, like Health Canada wants only products that are packaged by licensed producers to be sold in places where they should be sold. And so there's lots of competing, overlapping, sometimes contradictory regulations. But I I give it to the province that they are trying to walk and chew gum at the same time, Mm. walk by opening up much more retail, chew gum by trying to think about what the future may hold in terms of where and how people want to consume cannabis. And, and these are very challenging public policy con- uh, conversations. So, you know, good on the province for actually thinking about them. I also think thinking about them in 2020 may look to implementing them in 2022 or something similar to that. So we actually have a long way to go to get there. Yeah, it's going to be watched especially interestingly by the cigarette and cigar smokers who want to see if these uh, Little lounges are set up to accommodate the cannabis smokers. Uh, yeah. Maybe an unlevel playing field or a double standard in play. Nonetheless, uh, all good information to have, and we'll park it for now. Jay, thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Jay Rosenthal, co-founder and president, Business of Cannabis. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 